Hello, I'm Carly McDowell, and this is the Shared Road podcast, where we talk about lived experience and wisdom around shining the light on complex, toxic relationships, narcissistic abuse, coercive control, breaking cycles of family, generational trauma and dysfunction, and unraveling the binds to free ourselves from suffering. On this episode, I speak with Rachel Sardalich. Vedic meditation teacher, creative mentor, and somatic multimodality trauma-informed practitioner. We discuss the concept of spiritual bypassing today and understanding what enabling may look like or keeping the peace and the importance of having a trauma-informed mentor or support person through these complex situations. Rach weaves her beautiful wisdom and you'll hear how she holds space so beautifully for the people that she does support, including myself. And I'm very grateful to hold her as a dear friend of mine. I hope you enjoy. Rach, thank you so much for carving out this time today to be with me on the Shared Road podcast. I'd like to start with saying that you, alongside Amber Hawken, have been instrumental and my greatest supports and mentors and my dearest of friends through helping me on my personal journey and launching this podcast with all your loving support. Tears are rolling. Tears are rolling. Oh, my love. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on this journey with you and being a mentor for me and being such a sacred support for me. And there is a beautiful reciprocity between us, which I'm very grateful for. We've been talking about sharing a story together on this podcast we've let it sit and percolate and you know find its natural course and just the other day you sent me a post on Instagram from the holistic psychologist Dr Nicole LaPera and it really landed for you and it sparked conversation between us and then I guess as a natural conversation unraveled you know this felt like the right flavor and the right conversation to be having together so it landed naturally and I just wanted to share what that post was so it says sometimes keeping the peace actually means enabling abuse she goes on to say there's something to be said for keeping the peace it's important to understand how to engage with or be around people that challenge us sometimes keeping the peace actually means enabling abuse. And so as soon as you sent that through and I read that, I I had goosebumps and and it sparked a lot within me. I just wondered if you could share what it sparked within you and the desire to sort of have a conversation around this piece. Well, firstly, I love the container that we have where we share different inspiration and usually a lot of silly memes, let's be (laughs) honest. (laughs) And then also to share these like deep, potent truths that resonate in our soul and just, you know, having a safe space to kind of go, whoa, I felt something, Mm -hmm. did you? And then often it percolates these great conversations we have. And so when I had read that, it activated a few different parts in me. It activated this deep remembrance of keeping the peace in several toxic relationships for a long time and everything's fine and I've got this handled and I'm going to bury my emotions because I don't want to 
cause an argument. I don't want to be attacked. I don't, and ultimately what I've since learned through my healing, I don't want to be abandoned. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose Mm. the connection. So there was a remembrance of that keeping the peace was my survival strategy for a period of time in toxic relationships. And then another part of me kind of sat with this, this interpretation of keeping the peace and how sometimes spiritual dialogue can be interpreted when we're in a a vulnerable state searching for some kind of wisdom and guidance when we're in a toxic environment or relational dynamic and naturally in that vulnerability and desire to try and lift out of our suffering the spiritual path often appears which is such a Mm -hmm. beautiful and powerful thing and sometimes that dialogue is incredibly helpful, as it has been for me, and sometimes it can be misconstrued. This idea of how keeping the peace can also be deeply tied into this idea of spiritual bypassing, mm. which is something that you know we speak of, and how just being love and light, and you know everything is love, and mm. we are all one, and unity consciousness, which you know, I I deeply subscribe to on one level how also that idea of bypassing what is present in me right now, what is active, what emotions I'm feeling, what wisdom is my body telling me, and particularly in an abusive relationship, that can actually work against us. It can keep us traumatized. It can keep us stuck because we begin to deny our reality. It's an important conversation to have and it's referred to a lot and it's important to just sort of nut out, I guess, what that is. And there's many aspects of or examples of what spiritual bypassing is, but it was actually just to um, sort of, I guess, go back a step and cover off where the, the term was coined. It was through a Buddhist teacher and therapist who's in California Dr. Wellwood, and he talks about it in relation to it being a way to describe a tendency to use spiritual explanations and avoid complex psychological issues. And so, yeah, how does that land for you in terms of your experience with it? Do you see it as a term that you would use as an example of bypassing predominantly? Does that sort of fit with examples, I suppose, of expressions of where you've seen it perhaps explained by clients or friends or people that you've come into conversation around? Is it is it typically around that avoidance of, of feeling what's real and true and what's um, beneath the surface, I suppose? Yeah, I definitely think that avoidance of feeling is part of the story, but not not always the full story. Like I'd love to share a scenario, like maybe just for us to explore it a little bit and get your thoughts on it. Just coming at this from, you know, my personal experience, naturally there's probably going to be some of my own projection and just what what is true for me. So 
as a mentor, I work one-on-one with different individuals. And I was working with this beautiful woman who was wanting to really develop her creativity and, and build a creative business. And naturally through the contraction and expansion of that dynamic working together, um, our, our traumas arise. And there was this organic flow to where we found ourselves or, well, I was holding space while she was unpacking some of her toxic family traits and relational dynamics and how they had limited her from fully expressing herself. Mm-hmm. And it was a point in her journey, an incredibly vulnerable point in her journey where the veil had been lifted and she started seeing the dynamics in her family in a whole new way, which is confronting and scary and you know, starting to question what is true, what is not true on this courageous path of healing. So I was holding space for that and and gently inviting her to express the emotions and all of the thought patterns that were coming up around it. And also in conjunction with working with me, she was working with another body worker, mm-hmm. an energetic worker, you know, which is, which is awesome to work with multitudes of, of different healers because they support us in different ways. Mm-hmm. And this is a body worker that she'd worked with for, for a longer time than she and I had been working together. So they developed this beautiful relationship and safety. And so my client in a session with her had said, you know, I've, you know, explained a little bit of where she was at and, and how she was going to go about setting some new boundaries in that relationship and her fears around the ripple effect mm-hmm. of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so we can press pause for a moment and unpack, you know, hypothetically what could be going on for her. There's a part of her that is curious and terrified of what she's just found out about a dynamic in her family. Mm-hmm. And then another part of her that is viscerally attached to her family because that's part of the human condition and the fear of losing that is is this deep survival wound so there's this vulnerability in these parts trying to make sense of it so she's carrying these parts into this session with this practitioner and the practitioner says you know in her own way way and I'm paraphrasing here you know the deepest spiritual path here is to just rise above it mm just to trust that they're all having their own experience and you just you just need to let it go and rise above it. Mm-hmm. And this woman comes back into session with me and I can tell that she's kind of a bit confused and conflicted and wanting to unpack that experience. And so she shared with me that this was the information that had been offered and she asked, what was my opinion? And that's always a tricky one. That's my opinion. And I firstly said, well, I just want to highlight that you're asking me what I think, which, which, is, which is interesting to sit with because that would indicate there's a part of you that doesn't feel that that's true for you. Mm. And then secondly, I sat with it and offered appreciation for the, the well-meaning practitioner and just hypothesized that would that advice be supportive to someone who was in a toxic relationship, say, of domestic violence mm-hmm. to just rise above it, mm. to just send them love and just take the highest spiritual path? Mm. And she sat with that and then they had this visceral response and could see that there was a denying of her feelings and emotions. So I feel like there is an, there is an avoidance and then there is also a yearning 
to find the truth of a path. Mm. And when it's coming from a spiritual authority, sometimes we bypass our own inner guru and inner discernment of what is true to take that advice on and then cut ourselves off from what we can truly be feeling. And I think just one more piece is I think it's important to acknowledge that when we have experienced trauma in our early lives, particularly continuous trauma in relational dynamics, what happens is we lose our agency. We become confused, particularly if we've experienced a lot of gaslighting, we are not sure what is true, what is our truth, what feeling's mine, what's theirs. We're quite disconnected to our intuition because we've been told Mm -hmm. everything we're thinking is wrong. Mm -hmm. So from that place, we then put our truth in the hands of other people. I don't think it's an active denial of emotions, not all the time. Sometimes I think it's coming from a deep yearning to find what is right in, you know, inverted commas, to help me out of this situation. But in itself, that type of language completely discounts the human experience of emotion and within that is the wisdom of healing. Yeah, so in this instance, this particular woman has really been told to bypass what she's experiencing. And so that really comes back to someone not being potentially trauma-informed by way of a therapist or guide or mentor and that's something that you're very passionate about and actually are somatic and uh, trauma-informed practitioner so you're so sensitive and aware around that and there's just a it seems a a lack of awareness Mm. uh, around what trauma is and and unfortunately for those that have been raised in potentially dysfunctional family dynamic or have had dysfunctional slash abusive relationships where they've been unconsciously gaslighted or consciously gaslighted or whatever manipulative tactics um, have, um, I guess, been created and upheld within dynamics, family or relationship to uh, keep things stabilised and, and and connected but disconnected from self. Um, so, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of paths that we could go off on that point. One is that connection to self is so important and, and what this particular client of yours was looking for was obvious, is obviously guidance and connection to self which is a beautiful thing because you've got the tools of a Vedic meditation practitioner, teacher, you've got your creative mentoring and your somatic and trauma-informed uh, practices. So Gabor Mate, Dr. Gabor Mate, who we both love, he's an author, psychotherapist, expert in addiction, stress, trauma and childhood related experiences he talks about trauma as not being what happened to you but what happens within you and the the wound that's held in the body so the psychological manifestation in the body from the experience that has occurred how does that resonate with 
for you, his explanation around trauma and and how does that tie into the work that you do? I think it's really empowering mm. when we're not the stories, we're the resonant, like the trauma is the resonance that is left within us. It's not who we are. So there lies the potential for healing. It's just far, far more empowering for you. And I love his work. His um, recent discussions and research around the connection between authenticity and attachment Mm -hmm. deeply resonates with the work that I do. So what led me to being a creative mentor was lots of different things, but the Cliff's Notes of it was my own personal healing journey of my own trauma and um, understanding my attachment stories and pathways of transformation and coming back to self. And working in the music industry and working with creative professionals and seeing the connection to the impact of traumatic experiences and our upbringing and how that shapes the inner narratives that prevent us or block us from our full expression. Mm-hmm. And creativity to me is not just how we paint and and make music and you know Mm. artistic pursuits Mm. is the essence of of who we are what we're passionate about and and the things that light us up and how that is manifested into the world i.e your podcast is your creativity one of the things rach that you and i talk about often is the importance of having a safe space or safe container for people to be held in as mentors and and we share about what that looks like and what that feels like. As a trauma-informed practitioner, can you share with me your views and and how you hold that for others? Mm. The safety is the number one quality that I intend to invoke in the container with my clients, the most important thing. And because when we can feel deeply safe, our memories, our woundings, our subconscious um, allows for more awareness to arise and therefore the portals to healing. Beautiful. When we feel safe in an embodied way, so our, our soma, our body feels safe, at a cellular level, our system also expands mm-hmm. and releases. Mm-hmm. It opens. It opens to receive the healing. It it functions in a more harmonious way to process the healing that happens in a session. Mm-hmm. So, safety is so important. And you know the the process of being a trauma informed practitioner is ongoing. It's not like you do one course and then you're trauma informed because. I'm a trauma-informed practitioner through the lens of being a white privileged woman. I have a deep understanding of what it's like to be a woman who's experienced trauma, but I'm still learning through story and understanding and curiosity what it's like for other minority groups. Mm. And typically, so I'll speak predominantly to women because it's where I feel most comfortable Mm -hmm. to speak to, we often move around life and we don't even realize with this part of ourselves tight shut locked 
constantly in a mode of bracing mm. that someone might come out and attack us. Mm-hmm. When we move into the intimate setting with a practitioner, a therapist, a teacher of some kind, for many of us, there is a part of us that is already bracing with the sword, mm. closed up, mm. contracted, because we just don't really know what's happening, even though we think we're fine. Often that can manifest as nerves or anxiety or a tightness in the chest. And for many of many women, that's just normal. When we do something new, we feel nervous. But actually what's happening is the body is bracing and preparing to, to fight or to freeze. So being a trauma-informed practitioner is, is around from the from even before someone arrives in setting with you it's your tone it's how you make them feel welcome it's how you invite them to feel seen how you give them options to experience your setting so that's like mm-hmm. before they even arrive and then from the moment that they arrive in setting i mean for me what that looks like is offering a lot of invitation does this mm-hmm. feel comfortable let's take a moment for you to feel settled do you need another cup of tea? Do you need anything to make you feel warmer? So this is online. Mm. In, a, in a physical setting, actually, I'd love to share a story yes, that might, might, might resonate. So I was teaching in my home in Barrie a few years ago, and the woman that I was teaching was, um, was uh, a parent of some friends of mine who'd spent a lot of time at the house. So she knew me as like non-Vedic teacher age, who's mm. kind of the same person, but there's a different tone that I step into. <laughs> And so when it came to teaching the course, like I prepared our sacred space to do that separately in the house and asked everybody to leave and I invited him to the space. And the first thing I said was like, take a seat wherever you feel comfortable. And I gave her options. And so she sat down on the couch and then I said, are you okay if I sit here, just sitting kind of at a seat across from her, not directly next to her? And she was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, okay. And I could tell she was like a bit curious, like my tone had kind of changed, but she was like, you know, she's asking me all these questions. Yes, it's a bit more formal and still warm, but formal. And then you know, I, I just, I checked in with her in a few different ways, just asking her if this was comfortable and did she need anything else and was she warm enough? And I could tell by her body language that she wasn't like fully slumped and comfortable into the seat. She was kind of sitting on the edge and, mm-hmm. you know, excited and nervous. And so I just sat next to her and I said, I just wanted you to know that the way that I approach my work is from a trauma-informed way, which means that before you arrive in the room today, I anticipate that you've had a beautiful, colourful journey through many different experiences that will will impact how you feel in this space with me. And the reason that I ask you these questions and I just want you to know, all of you to know that no matter what you feel, no matter what's coming up, it's all really welcome here. Mm. And, you know, so me checking in with you and, and just asking if you feel comfortable is a way of you know, intending for you to feel truly safe and, you know, offering you the opportunity at any point if you need to step outside and get fresh air that's okay you need you need a break you need to get more water you feel inclined to sit up to change to to move you know all of that is welcome and she burst into tears Mm. this is a woman that knew me so well and her whole body changed and she like her shoulders dropped and she took a big exhale and she said I don't really know why I'm crying and I gave her a big hug and I said like I don't know but what I sense is that maybe you've been holding for a long time and maybe you haven't felt truly safe in a while and then the tears just flowed and Mm. I think that is 
is an example of how we're all feeling until we're asked, am I actually okay? Am I comfortable? Like how many times have we gone to a yoga class and somebody sat right next to us with their yoga mat and we feel incredibly uncomfortable because some of us need a lot of physical space Mm. to feel at ease, which is shaped by our upbringing, but we feel like we can't say anything. So instead we bottle it up and we get pissed off and we move through our yoga class like cursing (laughs) at this person. So like in a joking way, that's an example of the way that I approach my work. I give so much option for the slightest adjustments, the space to land, the softness. And with that over time and being um, consistent in your approach is a means of people to feel safe. And when people feel safe, transformation naturally occurs yeah healing naturally occurs and so for me in my work a big part of it is creating a container for safety because when we can see our internal narratives and our protector parts that have been formed through our trauma and we move toward them and gently tend to them we then open all of this capacity for our creativity to flow for us to express ourselves and to feel safe in doing that. So, so something experiences heavier experiences or it might be shame or feelings of anger or old pain, however that manifests as a, a, an emotion or an experience really dissolves once you're in that setting. I can imagine that just rising for her in terms of emotion would have been a, just an immediate letting go response so not only as a trauma-informed practitioner but I guess it also demonstrates the importance of mentoring and uh, mentoring in general because who do we who do we go to if if it's not a psychologist or a family member or who is there you know that can hold that safe space for us and as you and I talk about with psychologists, we've we've both worked with plenty over our time. I still see a psychologist on a regular basis as a check-in. Often I go in and have a laugh with her and just tell her the storyline of what's going on in, in my world and whatever I'm navigating at that point, just to sort of, just as talk therapy, just to release. Um, but mentoring, there's this other layer to it, isn't there? And then again, with this trauma-informed information and knowledge that you hold there's another depth of healing that goes on in that experience it's an honoring of all of the modalities that we both have used independently over our time and continue to there's there's a place for all of it psychologists and holistic therapists of various kinds but this mentoring aspect and then finding the person that that feels safe for you, that resonates and and is able to hold you in that space so that, again, I guess this is coming back to that spiritual bypassing doesn't happen, you know, that our that we we have our experiences are validated and seen and heard and honored. And and we feel safe to express the scary feelings of anger. And, mm-hmm. you know, only this week, a couple of days ago, when I called you, I'd said that I'd um, you know, I'd felt I guess shame around having raised my voice to to my teenage son this week, and you know, there's that that shame hangover 
I think you mm. called it, um, just to be able to sort of sit with you and just process that emotion. I mean, emotion rises in me just talking to it because it's just the never-ending journey of a parent, you know, is is finding the ways to to have loving connection and yet boundaries and and we've all got our limits and we've all got this aspect of self, the light and the dark and honouring that. And I guess, again, coming back to spiritual bypassing, there's so much love and light and not the honouring of the dark. Yeah, and thank you for saying that. And, you know, just want to honour a pause for the emotions that you're feeling now too you know, the beautiful mother that you are and the experience of having to hold all of that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, love, a, I'd love to speak a little bit to mentoring and this idea of working with people on a spiritual level, yes, and also through the lens of their human experience, like the whole person, the wholeness in that, mm. which, because I believe the true spiritual path is that of, light and dark and everything in between it sees it sees our um, many textures our many parts and not all mentors are the same which is interesting you know because being a mentor or being a coach is is unregulated which is by like a by a, um, a union or a body which can actually be a really great benefit which means the mentor that you choose to work with can have this multitude of, of different modalities that they can pull from to work with you in a really intuitive way. It also means that it can be really difficult to try and decide who's the best mentor for me because a lot of mentors slash coaches, and I think people use those terms interchangeably, don't actually hold space for emotion. Mm. They're goal-driven. You work with them to learn some skills. It's all about accountability and they're going to get you there. And if that's what you need, epic, they're there for you. Mm. The way that I work, and um, and I'll offer you the space to speak directly how you to work, but from what I know, like you and I both have come from the same place, we see the wholeness in the individual. We work holistically. With my work as a creative mentor, it's around calling upon a vision of what, what is wanting to be birthed through you, or maybe it's just holding a light for the part of you that wants to move through the transition that you're currently moving out of or that's percolating that you want to leave to grow into the next version of yourself, the next identity of self. And with that has to, we, we have to hold space for the spectrum of emotions that come with that and the wisdom of expansion. You can't go from one place to the other and completely bypass your emotions and, and expect that to be sustainable and embodied and for you to feel alive and for you to feel rich. Mm. That, what that looks like is hustle. It looks, for, it looks like force. Mm. It looks like disconnection. It looks like disembodiment. Mm. It'll get you there, but is it comfortable and is it expansive and is it joyful? I don't know. It's just not the path I choose. So when choosing the right mentor for you, I think personally, the first thing is, is resonance. Have a call with that person. Check in with their values. What, what, what sense do you get in your body? Do they make you feel really welcome or are they just plugging their program? You know, do they also have firm boundaries because you want to respect that? You know, that's another piece that we might speak to as a practitioner, like having boundaries and how we manage our own triggers as mentors. But that's the first part. The second part is, you know, really getting clear on, on what 
you need and what you want and and asking that mentor if that's where they work and getting a sense if they can truly meet you there. And I think less important is the modalities that they use. Like it's great to have someone that works with different pieces that you resonate with, but if you don't feel safe, you could you you can be doing anything and you're only going to get so far. If you feel safe, it won't the modality is less important. Mm, agreed. And their intention their intention behind their work absolutely yeah values and intention what's directing their experiences as a mentor and then if you feel resonance with them you and I both are huge advocates for somatic work and somatic work is is embodiment it's working with the body it's working with sensation so as opposed to more talk-based mentoring or talk-based therapy which absolutely has its place Mm -hmm. I personally work with um, what's what's percolating, what's showing up within the individual in that moment on their journey in our sessions and we'll also connect to what's happening in the body as, as a passageway to open up more creative energy for them to move through. So that's also something for people to consider and the, the modalities that I work through just if people like somatic therapy, that's so broad, like, because Vedic meditation mm. is also somatic. Somatic is utilizing yes. the body. I particularly lean upon internal family systems, somatic experiencing, um, and Hakomi, which are different modalities of, of somatic therapy. They're the, the frameworks that I use mm-hmm. um, in session. So, Rach, just coming back to mentoring and our individual experiences, I've um, done a lot of work with Amber Hawken, who I mentioned earlier, who is, again, multimodality somatic therapist. And I love her greatly. She's helped me connect again to deeper aspects of self and and work through layers of self-limiting beliefs and conditioning and just been an incredible space holder for me on my journey and and a huge supporter of me releasing this podcast which had so many barriers of potential fear and all sorts of things for me personally around it so here we are I've moved through that that's incredible example for me personally I've released something that I never would have thought in my wildest dreams I would what would do and here we are so Tell me a little bit about your experience um, working independently with mentors. Mentors have really shaped who I am. I don't think I would be anywhere near where I am now at my journey without them. I've kind of weaved in and out of different people and in their own way truly treasure and am so grateful for those experiences. For 10 years it was really a, a spiritual mentorship and through my Vedic journey Um, and then when I was feeling called to open up another space within my own business, like I I felt like there was more than just being a Vedic teacher, not just being, being a Vedic teacher is an incredibly um, profound gift that I I feel very Mm honoured to possess and there were other parts of me that wanted to do more and to work with people in an ongoing way. So I worked with an intuitive coach and if somebody had said, hey, do you want to work with this intuitive coach? I would have been like, um, what? Like, I don't know. It just didn't resonate. 
But I listened to her on a podcast and everything she said at that time was just like my being was like bouncing out of my chest. I was just like, that's the woman. I don't care what her prices are. I just know that I need to work with her mm. because it just felt complete resonance. And so I don't. I think her website was down. She was like never even on Instagram, but I hunted her down and mm. um, she was like, let's do it. And so we worked together for maybe nine months originally and she what I love most about working with her and with working with mentors in general is being met where you are, but the scope of your potential is always in view of that mentor. So it's always in the sacred container. So you can openly share like, nobody's going to follow me. Like I'm terrified to be on video on Instagram. Like I'm not worthy of being an authority on this. I haven't learned enough. I'm not enough, you know, all of those stories. And mm. to just allow them to process, be, be redirected back to self beyond all those protector parts, beyond all those stories after they've been gently tended to and witnessed, like the, the power of it all being witnessed with someone else that you feel safe with. And I just, I just felt so held. Like when you're doing this crazy thing called life, on your own <laughs> and and this crazy thing called having your own business on your own or being an artist or being a creative it can be really hard to like even discern your truth sometimes because sometimes you just need to bounce it you need somewhere to put all the thoughts out so you can feel the truth in a space where you can show up with all parts of you so mentoring for me has just allowed me to sift through the parts of me that no longer serve all those old old protective mechanisms that really helped me when I was little but just don't serve me now as I want to yeah. really live out the potential not only for me but of all my creative ideas I want them all to really be received and the only thing that limits me from doing that is my, myself yes <laughs> so having mentors are, are invaluable and I, I will continue to work with them as I grow and evolve like at the moment I'm working with a finance mentor because I was like, okay, cool. Like my business is strumming along and I know where I'm at, but you know, that's what I needed. So different flavors of different mentors who all still have the same values as me, who feel, who totally see the potential in everything I'm doing and don't see me as small fry, you know, and also um, allow space for all versions of me to show up. Yeah. They've been so, so important. So I think hence why I'm so, I feel so led to do mentoring work myself because now I'm feeling that reciprocity of that experience. When you know something, yeah. it's your gift to share it. Mm. When you know something and you've embodied it, yes. now it's your time to share it so you can help the next person up-level and expand, the next person up-level and expand. And um, I also think it's important to, to share that I think a quality of a great mentor is someone who has done and is consciously doing the inner work on themselves. And so just coming back to you talking to our stories and that I guess this connection to self and at our being level, which is what we do through through teaching Vedic meditation and other somatic practices, we're teaching people to connect with a deeper layer of self um, and work through those blockages, all those old stories, conditioning, etc. Um, but to not also bypass the storyline of the experience that they're having so that they 
fully express where they're at, what they're going through in order to move deeper. I think you did touch on that, but it's the other day when we, you and I spoke about that, you said that was really, you know, that was really the portal or the doorway to access that purity within mm. creative, creative expression and growth. So there's, there's, that's what I should have said today. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much to, there's so much to, uh, you know, mentoring. And it's just, I think, again, coming back to resonance, what you were talking to earlier is, is important for people to, to just feel into that experience of, mm. of who they feel they connect with and, and that who you're drawn to, like, like what you yeah. just explained. Um, go with that like, impulse mm, mm. go with that impulse intuitive impulse yeah. yeah 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 there's 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 a treasure to be found within you through the support of that person like when you feel that that connection that that charm as we would call it in the Vedic excitement spark like when you it feels good to have made that decision it might feel you might there might be fear over oh that's going to cost money or that's going to be too confronting or there's whatever aspect of self you know scarcity whatever experience they might be having but but when you do cross the line and you do make a decision to work with someone that you feel excited by it just trust in knowing that there's going to be some richness to be had from that uh, and that you've made the right decision so we have covered you know quite broadly what spiritual bypassing encompasses and, and shared some of our own experiences or um, those of others to really, you know, bring to light a little bit about what that looks like and feels like it might sound like to people. But I'd love, Rach, um, following the launch of this podcast to, to maybe expand on that um, when we release the podcast on our socials etc that maybe we 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 go into that in a little more depth but certainly for those that um are, are new to that term or maybe know the experience but didn't know the term or know the term hopefully we've given you know some context around what that is and the support that we can offer as mentors um through one-on-one um support as practitioners for people um, so thank you so much for sharing your beautiful knowledge and wisdom on the shared road today absolutely i'm so honored and grateful for you as a mentor to me in my life too and yeah it's wonderful to have you here and i can't wait for another opportunity to be sharing conversation together Oh, thank you so much for having me. It has been such an honour to just bathe in your presence and bounce these interesting concepts and ideas and our perspectives on them. So, so grateful for you. Thank you, darling. Thank you so much for listening to The Shared Road. My intention for this is to become a place of support, community and hope through the shared stories from my brave and open-hearted guests. If you'd like further information regarding personalised support and mentoring to navigate these varied and complex experiences, please go to at meditationbase or meditationbase.com.au. Please share, follow and leave a review so that I can continue to reach as many people in need as possible. Thank you again.